I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. What you think is what you want to do many times ends up changing along the way and you end up adapting. So I would say number one, action. Go out, meet people. And every start, everything that I started or everything that I've been part of or everything that I've seen other people build are people of action. That's the number one trait that they have. They take initiative, they move, they action. They adapt very quickly and they, and they keep on moving. And hello, welcome back to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Again, my name is RJ Ledesma. Thanks so much to everybody listening to the podcast here in the Philippines and all over the world. It's another muggy Tuesday evening. I hope you all are enjoying yourselves, staying safe and well at home. And if you haven't been vaccinated just yet, please make sure to get your vaccine. Rest bakuna. Let's make sure that we all bring this country back to, uh, let's help this country bounce back to get safe and healthy again. Let's bring our economy back on track. And here on the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the countries and sometimes the world's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, how they've actually innovated or what they say pivoted their businesses during this pandemic, and what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal and even in the next normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know. Drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu CBRC TV, Global Pinas TV, and now the Bounce Back Network. Tonight, like all my episodes, this is a very special episode. My guest is coming in all the way from Dubai to tell us more about why it's great to do business in Dubai, why it's great to set up your business in Dubai, especially now during this pandemic. Is it a good time to put up a business, especially in a foreign country? How would that be advantageous to Philippine-led businesses or uh, businesses with Philippine owners? Tonight, to share with us his knowledge, I'll be bringing up a good friend of mine. His name is Lorenzo Juris, who is the CEO of Creative Zone which is Dubai's leading business advisory firm that has helped thousands of aspiring entrepreneurs and small and medium enterprises set up, sustain, and grow their businesses in the UAE. Now, Lorenzo holds extensive and diverse experience in the Middle East and South Asian business markets and retains an expert opinion on the region's SME and startup culture. He was also the founder of One World Communications a 360-degree multimedia powerhouse advising governments around the world in branding and communication. With that, I would love to welcome my good friend right now, Lorenzo Juris. Lorenzo, thanks so much for joining us. 
all the way from Dubai. All, all the way from Dubai via Argentina, am I right? <laughs> Correct. Thank you, RJ. It's a real pleasure to see you again and to connect through this platform. And thank you for the invitation to be part of your podcast. Well, thanks again so much. So maybe you want to greet all your guests here. You know that the, the, the Philippines has a Spanish heritage. Maybe you want to greet us all here in, in, in Español. Seguramente. Bienvenidos. Muchas gracias por tenerme aquí. Es un gran gusto. Y I'm looking forward to this chat. Well, th thanks so much, Lorenzo. Now, let's really get into the meat of this discussion. I hope you don't mind. A lot of people here are actually listening, trying to figure out, okay, what exactly is, is Creative Zone all about? And how does it help foreign businesses set up shop there in the UAE? Uh, Creative Zone is the largest business setup company in the UAE. We were established 11 years ago with a primary objective of helping entrepreneurs and startups set up their businesses. We started with a few government contracts in supporting some of the free zones uh, and in the Dubai mainland in the different jurisdictions by which any entrepreneur or any startup can get started. And we grew from a team of three people to, to a team of 300 and plus employees that we have at a group level. We have advised more than 44,000 entrepreneurs and startups with their business setup requirements, with their residency visas in Dubai, and many other solutions that we give to, to, the, to these clients. Now, I have a question. Sorry for those who might not be too familiar with, I guess, uh, how, how things work in Dubai. You said the Dubai mainland. So can you help us better understand? Because even myself, my first time to visit uh, the UAE, I had to get a better explanation. Oh, this is the UAE, but there are different uh, areas in the UAE. Can you, can you help us better understand that? Very, very good question. And that's the first thing that people need to learn when they come and look at the UAE or Dubai as a place for them to do business and to set up their companies. There's traditionally three main ways in which you can set up a company. You can set it up in one of the free zone company, in one of the free zone jurisdictions. You can set it up in Dubai mainland, it's in the, in the main economic mainland area of Dubai, or you can set it up also offshore. Now, traditionally, for a lot of the expats or a lot of the people that are using Dubai as a bit of a hub to come in and out of the country to continue, let's say, doing work in their own countries, let's say in the Philippines, many people set up a company in the free zone, meaning that they don't need to specifically be operating within Dubai. So let's I say see. that you want to set up a company and still operate a, a business from Dubai free zone, but operating all over Asia, all over, all over Africa. So that trade license would allow you to open a bank account and operate your business. And this works really well because nowadays the concept of uh, this global village has become so apparent given, given the pandemic and that. And really people understood that you can set up a company in, 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 a, in a jurisdiction that becomes very efficient tax-free jurisdiction, like in the case of Dubai, and with this, operate around the world. So these free zones are the ones that are catering for that business. Now, the Dubai mainland is for people that want to do more business within Dubai, within I the see, UAE. I see. So it's sort of like uh, in, in the free zone, it's sort of like if you want a Dubai address or a UAE address, that's what you use for the free zone. Is that right? And Correct. then if you want to actually live in Dubai and do business within the Dubai economy, uh, then you, you open up in, inside Dubai. Is that right? Yeah. And you can also do the same with the free zone as well. But you have some other limitations. Like you shouldn't ideally be 
uh, addressing Dubai-based companies. So for, for sure, for example, if you want to deal with government authorities, government entities, government departments, you have to have a Dubai mainland license. I see. Uh, so just to clarify, when this company actually started, you aren't a, what we call in the Philippines, a GOCC, a government-owned and controlled corporation, but rather uh, Creative Zone works a lot together with the government, and that's why it helps facilitate things uh, much easier. Is that right? Correct. So we started with some exclusive contracts in us operating and facilitating licenses from a lot of these free zones, and we help develop a lot of these free zones. So even our company as lines of business, one of them is even advising a lot of these jurisdictions on how to you know, create awareness of their jurisdictions, how to present them to potential clients. And we do also the representation, the selling, and the marketing of a lot of these jurisdictions as well. Uh, very, very interesting. Now, I, I just want to, you know, right now, because many people here in the Philippines particularly, you know, they're aware of other countries where, where, to, where to set up their businesses, which have been very active uh, trying to, I guess, lure and attract uh, Philippine businesses to go abroad. I, I just noticed that right now in particular, Dubai is doing this particular push. Why? Right? I mean, why right now? I mean, why not before? Is it because it was ramping up? Is there a particular reason right now that, that Dubai is actively going out and searching for entrepreneurs all around the world to go to Dubai? That's a very good question, RJ. It's true that for, for the Asian region, especially for Philippines countries, you, you have Indonesia, Malaysia, a lot of these Asian countries have been traditionally looking at places like Hong Kong and Singapore mm, as, that's their right, next, that's right. as their next step for them to potentially become regional players. We have to remember that the growth of Dubai has only been witnessed in the last 10, 15 years. Dubai came into the map of, of as a world hub, I would say, in the last 15 years or so. So only in the last 10 years or so is that Dubai started to compete with other jurisdictions such as Singapore and Hong Kong that they've been there for, for longer years. And I'm talking for this region, but of course you have other cities like London, New York, and other places that have been hubs for development of, the, of that part of the world, London in the case of Europe, New York in the case of the Americas, and then you have Hong Kong and Singapore in the Asian side of things. Now, the interesting part is because mm -hmm. of the attractiveness of Dubai, now Dubai is pulling in from all corners of the world. You have people from the Americas, from Europe, from Asia, thinking of Dubai as a place for them to relocate and, and do their business. And, and what's the reason for that? Well, many reasons. Mm -hmm. One is it's a 0% zero, zero tax jurisdiction. Number two was the issue of connectivity. Dubai is, when you look at the map, depending on how you're rotating the globe, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of in the middle of the world when it comes to, it, we are six-hour flight from anywhere around the world, into Asia, into Europe, well, into the Americas, it takes a little bit longer. But, you know, time zone-wise, connectivity-wise, you know, having Emirates, the world leading airline around the world, there is a direct flight to anywhere in the world from Emirates. So that's why so many people started saying, you know what, actually, Dubai, it's convenient for me to set up and operate from there to the rest of the world. Now, oftentimes, uh, Lorenzo, this is what I always, always, often like to ask many entrepreneurs, right? And, and you've handled many startups in the past. And the, and the first question that people often ask startups when you're asking for investors is this one. You ask the question, what problem is your business trying to solve? So I just want to ask you for yourself, what was the problem that the founders of Creative Zone were trying to solve in Dubai? 
Good question, RJ. Look, this industry of, of business setup advisory, I find it uh, super interesting. From the moment that I stepped into this industry, first of all, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be part of supporting everybody's dream. You know, 80% of, of any man or woman that is in, in, in the planet nowadays, a lot of their thinking goes into developing their career, developing their business. So when people come to us, they come with their dreams, with their ambitions, and we are part of helping these people with this. We don't only help people who are setting up the company. We help them with growing their business, with so many other requirements that any startup will need. So the pain points that we were addressing at the beginning were, you know, at the beginning when you are getting started, people are not aware what are their structures? What type of company do we have set up? What kind of partnership? Is it an LLC? Is it a sole proprietorship type of entity in which the jurisdiction is more convenient? Is it in a free zone in a mainland? So there's so many questions that people have at the beginning. And it required an entity, especially in Dubai, that has 90% of its population being expats, really not understanding the local laws and regulations and what are those sort of best structures and best jurisdictions to set up. And the other important point is when you're an entrepreneur, you want to leave that headache to somebody else. You want someone else to to deal with that. You want to concentrate on your own business, on, on pitching to new customers. You want the paperwork and the visa and the forms and all of that to be held by somebody else. So this is where we came in, and that's why we grew so rapidly. And now we, we are supporting... We're doing about four or five hundred new company formations every month as a group level. So it's 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 a really interesting uh, field, I must say. But, but I had to step back, and there's something that really that opened my eyes as you were as you were speaking, Lorenzo. And you said that Dubai is actually ninety percent expat. Is that right? Is that is that number right? Yeah, even I think it's it's higher. I think it's something about ninety five percent. You have the, the local Emirati population, which is the true local people that are born and come from this nation uh, is very few of them. I think it's only five to, t- I would say, I think something like 8%. The, the rest, 90-something percent is all expats. Uh, if you don't mind me, I mean, this might be a bit off topic, but then uh, have you have you also had a chance to work with many Filipino expats with you there? I'm sure you have, right? Especially in, in Creative Zone and outside Creative Zone. And, and when you did, what made you think that, you know, you, reaching out to the Philippines would be a good idea? Was it from your exposure to the Filipino expats. I, I know that when you were your first time to the Philippines, I actually took you around a bit here and you got to see see the country. What made you think that, you know, with your exposure to Filipinos in Dubai and your exposure, your, your understanding of the Philippines, that it would be a great place for you to offer uh, the services of Creative Zone? Filipino community in the UAE, it's quite a, an important one. There is, a, I don't have the numbers with me, but there is a, a big amount of Filipinos and Filipinas that are here in the country, and they've come here for many reasons. Many of them came with direct uh, business ideas. Actually, before jumping on the podcast, I was reading about this Filipino entrepreneur that created his payment system in Qatar, and he was showing a picture that he was going in into having a a meeting with the Central Bank of Qatar on, on this payment wallet system that he has created. So there are a lot of Filipino success stories of entrepreneurs have come all the way here to the Middle East and they, they you know, started their businesses. They're doing business here uh, in the country. So we've seen a, a surge of Filipino business people, be, be Filipino entrepreneurs, and we can see that the Filipino culture and mentality is very entrepreneurial at its core. 
So we see a lot of the Filipino people and business people that are coming from the Philippines into the UAE. They're very keen on seeing what is it that they can get going, what kind of companies they can set up. So the Filipino community is, is quite big in, in the UAE. Hello, this is Agnes Ravasho, CEO at MDI Novaria Technologies. Come listen to My Digital Impact, where I talk about customer experience obsession with fellow business leaders, about relatable moments on customer excellence, and teachable experiences on customer service. My Digital Impact is available wherever you listen to your podcasts, powered by Podcast Network Asia. Check us out after listening to this one. Now, having said that, I hope you don't mind. I mean, uh, the, the reason we're actually talking is because I, I'd like to think I got that entrepreneurial spirit to reach out, and, that, and that's why we're working together. And I know that many Filipinos over here do have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit, but if they do set up a business uh, in Dubai, is there also anything that can help support them, at least financially? Uh, is there a place with, which they can approach when they go to Dubai to, to support their entrepreneurial spirit? Of course, the, the UAE and Dubai has in the last uh, two, three years grown immensely with anything that is related to startup funding, venture capital companies, VCs, angel investors. I mean, I, I keep on being shocked on a daily basis when you read uh, X, X company raised uh, $1 million, $10 million. I was reading this Egyptian company raised $150 million for for an app and 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 then and you start thinking is is there a bit of an overvaluation when it comes to funding that is taking place in in a lot of the startups so that is evidence that you know that the investment community in this region is willing to put money on on things that are appealing that uh, have potential and there's one great thing here people are not culturally biased to think regardless of where you're from uh, people don't care you got a good idea we don't care where you're from if you if you got the next Airbnb, the next Uber, the next people are gonna throw money, they're gonna compete for your project. So funding is is not a challenge. You know, we come from a from a country that is exporter of capital. If there is one thing that the UAE has is capital, and people are investing in in a lot of startups. So I, I just have a question. So for example, if a startup approaches you, uh, Lorenzo, uh, and that they want to start off, let's say for example, okay, they go uh, in Creative Zone. Can you help me? apply for a business and also help me look for uh, potential venture capitalists or angel investors. You can help them. You can also match make them at the same time. A hundred percent. We have created three things that are in line with what you are describing. One of them is that we have recently launched an initiative called Startup X that is an accelerator program where we're looking to accelerate companies where we see some potential to the point that we're willing to give some of these people free trade licenses and even give them support services that we are backing in order for growing their business. And what we take in exchange could be in some cases, we take equity in some of these companies so that we support them through these services that we're providing for free. The second point is that we've created another unit called Scale 971, 971 being the country code uh, for, for the UAE, meaning that for companies from the outside that are looking into growing and developing their businesses here locally, we can partner with them for a fee and be their business development advisory firm 
in the country, open doors for them, introduce them to partners, to clients, do feasibility studies, market research, and so many other things that any entity would need to do when entering a new country. And the third element of this is that we're about to launch, and this is actually fresh without, it's not even public yet. We are launching something called CZ uh, Venture Capital, CZ VC, CZ standing for Creative Zone. So we are setting up aside our own funds to invest in startups that we see with potential and take equity in some of these companies. Well, that's a really great thing to hear. That that really dovetails into my next question. That uh, if companies want to set up over there, you know, in in Dubai, so obviously one of the first things that that you're looking at are are startup companies. So I want to just ask you, what are the different types of of companies that you're looking for to expand to Dubai? Because uh, to my mind, startups work. But the question is, what kind of the, what are the best profiles of startups which Dubai might be looking for. And, and the second one, are these companies that are, for example, companies that don't have an actual product, but rather, I guess, service-oriented companies, uh, consultancies, or, or offer educational services or, or whatnot. And third, maybe they're businesses that just want to expand. Whatever they have, they've got manufacturing uh, here in the Philippines, they want to do a distribution hub over there, or they want to use it to go global, like you said. No, so What are the companies that you think you are looking for? Are they startup? Micro, small, medium, medium to large. Are these multinationals you're looking for? What are these companies you're looking to help bring to Dubai? Honestly, we are open to all all type of companies, industries, and activities. Traditionally, we've seen that the SMEs and the smaller smaller solo entrepreneurs they they traditionally been focusing a lot on tech startups, and you see a lot of e-commerce related projects tech-related projects that people want to come and revolutionize and transform specific type of industries with new technologies that is going to sort of transform the way that these industries were traditionally run. So we see a lot of projects in in those uh, type of industries. But honestly, the country is in such a growth path right now that everything is, is being welcomed. I mean, the government recently introduced a new program called 300 Billion which is they're looking wow. to invest $300 billion in manufacturing uh, entities. The country is open to receiving manufacturing projects. You know, remember that we are in the center of a very growing region. You, we have next to us Saudi Arabia that has 100 million inhabitants. It's a place that is in the brink of everything being needed. This country is launching seven new economic cities. They will need everything. People need manufacturing, plastics, electric cars, electric scooters. I was reading about this electric bike project that uh, they're setting up an assembly line here from from the UK, from a brand of electric bikes from the UK. I heard about this other project coming from, from Vietnam of these electric buses. And they signed an agreement with... Um, with, with the government of Sharsha, which is one of the Emirates here, we call them one of the provinces, in building an assembly line. So in the Philippines, you could have any of these type of manufacturing facilities, tech startups, food, uh, food outlet brands that um, I know that you are very involved with, with Mercato Central, I think, and, uh, and you are very, very much involved in this, in this industry of the food industry. 
So distribution of certain products, honestly, the opportunities are endless. Wow. And how about in terms of service? Because I know that a lot of the people actually here have been asking about, I want to bring my, I guess, consultancy service, educational service. What are the good, uh, I guess, service-related industries? Because, you know, in the Philippines, it's a, it's a strong service-oriented industry as well. Yeah, as well. I mean, consultancy, I would say, is one of, it ranks one of the top two or three type of activities that we set up as, as a business. There's a lot of consultancy set up here, whether it's financial services, marketing consultancy, management consultancy, project management type of solutions. So there's a lot of those. And, and, and that's, that's the key thing. So again, imagine that you have a Filipino entrepreneur that has a marketing consultancy type of company and has an approach of addressing markets in Asia, in Africa, in Europe, and is mm -hmm. a bit of a global player, well, why not have your company registered in Dubai with a Dubai address, with a Dubai telephone number that can be routed to your Philippines number for oh, that matter? Okay, okay, okay. And, and your invoice, all your clients from around the world with your Dubai entity. And you are a Dubai resident, of course, because through setting up your company, you become a Dubai resident, but you operate around the world. So this is where Dubai is, is winning in terms of, you know, dealing, we call these the nomad entrepreneurs. We call nomad people that are, are operating around the world and are looking for a very convenient place for where to set up their companies at. Yeah. Now, having said that, I, I was just very curious because right now, technically, because the internet has made the world smaller, right? I mean, if you wanted to, you could say, oh, that, that's great, uh, Lorenzo, but I can do my business out of the Philippines and it's still global. Why, why do it out of Dubai? Does it become more global if I do it out of Dubai? Maybe you can help us better understand how, how it becomes different when, you, when you're under a Dubai address. Well, it, it gives that, that perspective, depending, again, depending on the, uh, on the approach that you want to give your entity. If you're looking to grow, uh, and let's say that you're a marketing consultancy company and you're looking mm -hmm. to expand new markets and new horizons, and you want to come to Dubai, and, and let's say that you have a, a specific approach to dealing with marketing, digital marketing, and you have a few good techniques, and you start pitching people in Dubai, and you have a Dubai address, within two weeks, you will realize that from this Dubai address, you can cater to clients in Saudi Arabia, in Qatar, in Bahrain, in Oman, in Jordan, all countries that are 45 I minutes see, away by, by flight. And when you tell these clients in these countries, well, my office is set up in Dubai, or my office is set up in the Philippines, well, the Dubai has a feeling of you have your regional office here, we're willing to engage a little bit more with you. I'm not saying that the Philippines is not going to be the right approach, but I'm saying Dubai is being used as a, a hub from you to from here launch into other places. Now, the second point, and, and I'm not going to get into a political discussion of, but it's the issue of taxes. I don't That's know if right. these people are paying taxes when it comes to the operations that they have. So if you are, most of your businesses, you are conducting them outside, I'm not familiar what would be the tax system for these type of accounts that you are dealing with. But for sure in Dubai, you're paying zero taxes on this. 
corporate and income tax. And I see that as a big advantage for, for many Filipino businesses who, who want to set up over there. Having said that, but how just how easy is it to set up a company in Dubai? And you must understand, I'm asking this question based on, because I know how long it takes to set up a business here in the Philippines, especially if you're a, a, a foreign business. So how long does it take? What's the speed of the setup? Is there a big cost to it? What are the corporate taxes involved? All these things, you know, what you said, like the kind of pain points to set up a company. It's it's quite straightforward, but but because we're making it straight straightforward. I mean, if you were to go on your own, as I said, there is about 52 jurisdictions by which you can set up. So to begin with, you wouldn't even know which one to choose, right? So very quickly, we assess the client, we sit with the client and we understand what structure are they looking to set up? What, what kind of entity? What activity? How many visas is this investor looking to acquire? Is he going to put his family into the visas? Is he going to be hiring more people? So once we make this assessment, we can go to him and recommend what's the best jurisdiction. Because every jurisdiction, every free zone, or even within mainland, depending on the type of activity, how many visas, what kind of business that you want to do, there's a different format that best uh, applies to what you're looking to do. In many cases, all of the different free zones, some of them specialize on media and marketing. Otherwise, other, others I on see. e-commerce, others in e-commerce solutions, other on financial services. So you need to really understand where is it that you need to set up that will best suit what you're looking uh, to do. Thanks so much, Lorenzo. And just think of just a very short reminder to everybody here right now. We want to say hi and big thanks to the, our friends from Kumu. Kumu is a... Filipino or a Pinoy live streaming app where you can connect and tambay, that means standby, hang out with Filipino streamers and celebrities. Use our link in the description and download Kumu here right now. Again, thanks so much. And Kumu is also live and the RJ Ledesma podcast is also live right now in Kumu. Now, just a question also as well. Can you fully own your company in Dubai? Is it, can, be, can it be a 100% Filipino-owned company? Great question. Actually, these are some of the differences between setting up in a free zone and in, a, in the Dubai mainland. So traditionally, the free zones were made for all these foreigners to be able to own their companies 100%. Uh, when you were owning a company in the Dubai mainland, the Dubai government and, and Abu Dhabi government, so the mainland of these main cities, were creating uh, policies in a way that certain strategic industries and strategic activities were left where you needed to have a 51% local sponsor for you to get into as a way of protecting those strategic industries for, for the well-being of, of the nation. So you could say certain uh, important trading activities of certain type of goods and services, oil and gas related projects, transport and communication projects. It's not that you could come here and say, I'm going to go and set up a telco company and it wasn't that liberal, that open to things. You needed to have a 51% local sponsor. Now, recently, in fact, this coming week, in the 1st of June, there's a new law that is being introduced in the Dubai mainland that is allowing for an extended list of activities that will allow for 100% owners, meaning that that list used to be, let's say, much bigger, now the list is becoming shorter and shorter, and the government is realizing that there's they're being more and more ready to open more investors to fully own 100% uh, owned companies. 
Wow. And, and what are these type of industries which you can own 100%? Well, they've been opening it up more and more for professional activities. So I would say all of the professional activities now allow for 100%. So if you are having a management consultancy, a marketing agency, any of those, even uh, to the point of a lot of the manufacturing um, activities are now being open 100%. Before they were saying, no, you needed to have a 51% local sponsor. Now they're saying, we're letting you. I think some of the strong activities still like telecommunications, transport, energy-related projects, still you will need 100% owned company. But because here you're talking about very strategic industries for the country. I remember doing a bit of a project in the Philippines in uh, a while back, and it's true, I would say, for many countries, it's not that you will get a license to set up an, an, an electric type of company in the Philippines without you know, going through ministries and, uh, yes, and getting all the... the even going through Congress sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. So it, it's similar when it comes to that. And, and, and they're securing that, that strategic sector by saying you need to have a local sponsor for, for you to be able to develop that business. I see. Now, um, for many people, let's say, for example, um, I, want, I want to have a Dubai address, do business in Dubai, but, is it, but I, can't, I can't exactly live there because, I mean, the families, you know, it's, the, the roots are here, they're entrenched here. You just, your, your circumstances just don't allow you to do uh, to live in Dubai, can you actually live in the Philippines but have your business in Dubai, like operate out of Dubai and, and run it remotely from there? 100%. And this is, this is where Dubai has become very attractive for that particular type of product, which is this, again, nomad entrepreneur type of approach that says there are packages. Is it also possible that, say, for example, because of the pandemic and you know, the difficulty of traveling or people just don't really want to, to move around so much, can they apply for this uh, remotely? Can they apply for, to set up a company in Dubai through Creative Zone remotely? 100%, yes. Uh, the whole proper process can be done remotely. We can do the whole setup and, and, uh, and everything from, from abroad. But when it comes to them uh, getting the residency, of course, they need to come. They need to come here. They need to set up uh, the, uh, and, and apply for the residency permits and the residency visas. And with this, again, immediately they will go and we will help them open their bank accounts. So for the bank account opening and for the residency visa to be stamped in their passports, they need to be present in the country. What exactly do you mean when you get a, a residency visa? Maybe, what does that mean? Are you like, a, like in Singapore, I understand what permanent residence means because you've got many Filipinos living in Singapore. They don't become Singaporean citizens, but they are permanent residents. So they have no problem staying there. What exactly... Does it mean when you are a Dubai resident or a permanent resident, for that matter? Well, it's mostly with, with the fact of that for you to do anything else on a permanent basis, you will need to show that you're a resident of the country. So uh, for you to put your kids in school, for you to put your kids in universities, for you to have a, a Dubai uh, driver's license, for you to have a bank account, uh, you need to show that you're a resident. You cannot do any of those things uh, by being a tourist in the country. When you become a resident and when you set up this company, the residency visa is for three years, meaning that after three years, you need to renew it, but comes renewed with the company. So as long as you have your company active in the country, is that you are able to renew your residency visa. But mostly is to do with all the things that you're able to do as a resident, which is, you know, engage with 
institutions, with companies, you know, perform contractual arrangements and, and, and agreements with, with companies and with people as a resident that without being a resident, you wouldn't be able to do. And by holding this company and this residency, you are able to stay here 365 days in the year. Um, uh, and, and of course, being a tourist, depending on where you're coming from, you have mm -hmm. certain limitations. It could be 30 days. It could be 90 days, depending, I think, it's for the European passports. And many of them require a visa before arriving into the country. If you do get a residency visa, does that extend to the members of your family? Correct. So once you set up a company and you become a resident, you become a, an investor's visa resident, meaning that your visa will say that you are an investor. From this investor, you can start at either hiring people in your company and giving them employment visas within your company that you have registered, or you can start what is called sponsoring members of your family that fall under your own visa, meaning your dependents, your wife, your kids. You can even hire a nanny or those can fall under your dependent visas. But then if you want to hire people under the company as employed, em employees, they will fall under employees' visas. And the number of employees that you can have relate to the type of company that you have set up, the activity of your business, whether you have an office or you don't have an office, there are certain restrictions. So when you set up one of these, let's say, free zones that don't require for you to have a, an office in Dubai, there are limitations that go from three, four, five visas for employees to fall under that type of company. But when you want to start adding more employees and you want to have 16 employees, well, the government mm -hmm. is going to say, well, where is your office? Where is your structure for you to be able to hire all those people under this company? Are you taxed like a citizen living in Dubai? Yeah, there's no tax here, either personal or corporate tax. There's only VAT, which is value-added wow. tax on consumption of, of products and services. It's 5%. And it's already added on products and services. So when you go to the supermarket and buy a yogurt, well, there is a 5% added that goes into the government for, for them to, you know, make use of, of their own expenditure programs and, you know, building the infrastructure and, and the roads and, and, and certain things. But, but there's no income tax and there's no corporate tax in the country. I, I heard that there's a permanent resident and tax resident. Is that right? Are those two different things? Yeah, yeah. So when you become a resident of Dubai, you can request for a tax certificate to show that you're a tax resident of the country. So depending if your country has a tax dual treaty with that country in question, uh, is that, and I think we have one with the Philippines, I would need to double check that, is that you are able to create, take this tax certificate, show your country that now you're a resident of the UAE, that you're kind of signing yourself out of the Philippines as a tax payer or contributor and that you're going to be transferring all of your activities into Dubai. I'm not familiar how, and here this is, I always recommend to engage with a local tax uh, advisor within your country to ask how would this be played. But for example, many people or entities will still have their you know, operations in the Philippines, and the first question will be, well, what happens if I set up a company in Dubai and operate from Dubai and I invoice people from Dubai entity? Will that be taxed 
into Philippines. These are the things that you need to ask a local tax advisor in your own country. But for sure, whatever is done from your Dubai entity here locally, you pay no taxes. Now, whether Philippines will be trying for you to report that activity into what you do, that depends on the status that you keep as a tax resident in the Philippines, about this tax dual tax treaty, and then your tax advisor will be able to tell you more on how are the arrangements when it comes to that. Hello there, Chinkitan here, motivational speaker, wealth coach, best-selling author, and now host of Chink Positive Podcast, a podcast that aims to help you to become wealthy and debt-free by teaching you on how to save, budget, get out of debt, and invest. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. Available on wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. Uh, like well, Singapore, there used to be a time when you could actually convert from being a, a permanent resident to becoming a Singaporean citizen, or you choose Singaporean citizenship. In, in the U.S., it's the same thing when you're, you can be a resident and become a U.S. citizen. Is it possible for you in UAE to become from a resident to become a, a citizen? Or is that that's something that constitutionally is, is not possible? Very good point. And this, up until very recently, this issue was constitutionally not possible. Here you have to remember again that we're talking about only 5% of the total people living here are from the Emirates, meaning that whoever has an Emirati passport is considered somebody very special for the country and, and I would say around the world. That's, That's right. the other aspect. You know that the UAE is the strongest passport in the world. I know that, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the number one passport in the world, meaning that because in a way um, it's, it's so powerful because they have signed more bilateral agreements and diplomatic arrangements with so many countries around the world that, 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 than any other uh, country in, in the planet. So uh, they're very protective of, of their citizenship, I would say. Um, but very recently, they started giving citizenship to some people that they regard as special citizens of the country that are greatly contributing the country in, in fields of education, sports, arts, and business. So recently, certain important people that have contributed towards the country's well-being have been given citizenship. But it's not that the country has a program like in the U.S., after I think it's five or six years of living there and paying taxes regularly for X amount of time, you have a, a, a route to becoming a citizen in the country. There is no such uh, programs in, in the UAE as of now. I, I got that. What are the geographies right now that are coming in uh, through Creative Zone that you're seeing? What part of the world and, and what particular businesses do you see also see coming in through Creative Zone? Traditionally, uh, the UAE has received a lot of uh, European influence type of investors. And even us as a company, I would say Europeans are our number one type of clients. We receive a lot of English investors, a lot of French investors lately. We've seen quite a bit of Germans coming uh, a lot. Uh, then we get quite a bit from the Americas, a lot of Americans, Canadians, um, in the last, I would say, four or five years, Africans have become very present here, 
especially, you know, you have a lot of Nigerian wealthy individuals that started looking at, at ways of having a foot here in Dubai, banking here. You know, remember, and that's another important plus of Dubai, you know, people come here because they want to have secure banking solutions. A lot of African nations, especially wealthy individuals, they came and said, you know, let me put my money in Dubai in a very strong financially backed uh, country. So um, they, we've seen a lot of Africans, South Africans, Nigerians, Egyptians, Ghanans, a lot from Africa in the last few years. And then traditionally, yes, a lot of Asians, a lot of Chinese. Uh, you know, China, I think we're all aware they've been spreading their wings anywhere That's possible. Right. And, and they've, been, they've been part of, of the development. I mean, the, the, first, the first vaccine that was available here was Sinopharm. And 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 then and everybody took I took Sinopharm, and so so China is very present everywhere nowadays. I know of their important drive that they had even in Africa, the Chinese, where they went on and 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 taking part of a lot of the infrastructure development projects that have been happening in energy, in transport, in ports. The Chinese have been very active. So China has is also been very active in the Middle East. You see them here in Dubai, in Saudi Arabia. So again, a lot of Asians, um, Filipinos, as I said, a lot more of the startup entrepreneur type of approach, less Filipinos of the bigger type of corporations, I would say. is more, more the startup and entrepreneur type of, type of approach. What, do you, what would you see as the emerging opportunities in, in UAE? And I guess in, in the Middle East in general, Filipino companies or Asian companies can come in, you know, because... The perspective of many of the developing country startups is that they actually are addressing developing country problems, no? And and when when they do, they often say that these are scalable startups because they have they, they can address issues that are not just present in one person's country; they're also present in other countries with similar problems or with similar uh, similar uh, demographics. What do you see as the emerging opportunities for Filipino startup entrepreneurs to go there? What are this, the underserved markets you think that they can still tackle over there? What are, what are the areas where they can still grow? So many things come to my mind when you are uh, you know, making that question, RJ. And I'm thinking there's so many things that Asian and Filipino people can come over here and start talking to people about. So I'm going to give a few ideas. Sure, Asia, 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 what does Asia have to give? Asia has a lot of things to give. Number one is cheap solutions when it comes to affordable solutions of producing certain things. It is well known that in many Asian countries, you can you know, manufacture or produce certain things at a much cheaper cost than doing them, especially in this part of the world, in the Middle East, where our energy consumption, our energy prices are much higher. So producing anything here in this part of the world is, I would say, five, six times more expensive than anywhere in Asia. So if you're into building anything in Asia, you will for sure be at a, a, a competitive advantage when it comes to price. So I remember traveling recently. I was to I was in Vietnam and I, and I was walking around the streets and I came across this beautiful brand of, of shoes, beautifully designed, like they look like Italian shoes made by some factory that I looked and investigated that they're in the middle of the countryside in, in the middle of nowhere and there is this really good designer shoes Vietnam made from cows that come you know leather from Vietnam and so on and they were selling them in this shop for something like 80 dollars 
at the shop in Vietnam, meaning that that would cost, I don't know, maybe $20, $30 to produce. And I'm thinking this in Dubai, people will be willing to pay anywhere from two to $300 easily at any shop in Dubai. So if you are in Asia, if you're in the Philippines and you have access to producing anything that is, you know, cost effective, you for sure have a market over here to sell that. Whether it's shoes, whether it's jackets, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's cosmetics, whether it's an electronic item, whether it's a plastic that is needed for assembling, you will for sure have an opportunity. So any manufacturing goods that need representation, and, and that's the other thing, that Dubai is a hub of logistic and transport from around the world. So people from here will send it cheaper anywhere around the world, else around the world. Now, e-commerce solutions. How many other, you can connect e-commerce platforms in the UAE that there is great consumptions of, again, garments and products with uh, Asian and Filipino producers. There's hundreds of items that you can think of that you can build e-commerce platforms that, peop- that are aimed at Middle Eastern markets of products that you can produce from Asia. That's, so that's the whole manufacturing side of things. What else does Asia have to give? People. You guys are a lot over there. There's a lot of Asian population. In the Middle East, you're talking about what are we? Eight million people in the UAE. As a market, we're not a market. So if we can take anything from here that we can sell over there, you have lots of people. And that is a plus for anybody that wants to engage with people from from those parts of the world. So there is a massive opportunity with people that want to attract either investors or people from those parts of the world. I know many countries from the Middle East that are trying to to entice uh, Malaysians, Indonesians, Filipinos. But why? Because of the number of the market that you represent. You cannot compare the U.S. 8 million people. So what else does Asia have to give is the sheer volume of what that market represents. So, so many, for example, real estate companies are trying to attract uh, investors from Asia to come and invest in Dubai. And what do you guys have to offer? Is that the sheer size of what that market represents? So if you are anywhere that have access to bringing, come over here, talk to people in Dubai and say, let me develop your your product, your market in, in Asia. You can come and bring the same way that we are doing Creative Zone. We're reaching out to people in Asia to say, come and, and, uh, and set up in Dubai. And finally, to me, is tourism. Philippines is an underexplored tourism destination. There's so many tourism opportunities. You could, you could create a real estate tourism project and come and bring an investor from Dubai and say, let me help you develop a resort here. Again, because land pricing, a lot of this is a lot more affordable than going now to Maldives or Seychelles where these destinations have, you know, been overexploited by now. So, so much that we could do, RJ. You know what? You've talked to hundreds of entrepreneurs, a lot of startup businesses. And because of that, when you've seen what made some succeed, you've seen some that have made them fail. What would be, you know, if you were to distill that one, 
give us a couple of tips. And what do you think will make entrepreneurs successful, particularly in Dubai? And also, I, I guess, uh, in the markets that you're familiar with, the, the South Asian markets and the Middle East, what, what do they need to succeed? What have you seen about these companies that, that have made them successful? That's a, such an interesting topic, RJ, and I'm, I'm very passionate about you know, engaging and discussing on, on these issues. There's a few angles to this conversation. Please, one please, of them, please. A few things that come into my mind is, number one, I would say the number one most important thing that any entrepreneur needs is action. Action wins over anything else. I think action is the number one most important thing because it's the one that will get you out there and, and to go and talk to people. Don't wait to be so ready, so prepared. So action is the most important thing because once you get to meet to people, all you need is some sort of a website that has an idea of what you do and your business card. Once you have that, go out and start talking to people. Start offering what you do because as you go along, you're going to adapt. You're going to hear what other people say. And you went out with trying to sell mangoes to somebody in Dubai and then you end up realizing that this guy needs a cell phone case. And you're going to go and say, I'm going to go find you that. So don't worry. So what you think is what you want to do many times ends up changing along the way and you end up adapting. So I would say, number one, action. Go out, meet people. And every start, everything that I started or everything that I've been part of or everything that I've seen other people build are people of action. That's the number one trait that they have. They take initiative, they move, they action, they adapt very quickly and they and they keep on moving. So action, I would say, is, is number one. Number two, I would say a lot of startups fail in the marketing process of things. They don't know how to market themselves, how to network, how to reach out to people, how to create awareness about, the, uh, what, uh, about what they do. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that anybody has. Many people have great ideas and great solutions, but they're not good enough at, at, at reaching to their target audience, at reaching at their market. Some people don't even have such a great product, but they're, they're so good at the marketing side of it that, that they sell and, and they make money. And then you go, about, but what I do is 10 times better, but at, well, it's because you're a lot laid back, a lot more laid back when it comes to yeah. reaching your market and being commercially savvy to sell that thing. So if you don't have that sort of marketing sort of approach and, and communications and networking, you will lose. So, so I would say marketing and networking, very important. And number three, I see a lot of people fail because they don't plan properly and accordingly. They think that they're going to get started and they think in three months, they're going to start you know, turning over some clients and some invoices. And sometimes things get delayed and take time so you need to financially project what's going to happen in your career of your startup, plan for the worst case scenario and say, what is it that I can live with? What is it that I can subsist with that will be the minimum that will keep me alive? And if that were to happen, which is the case of Corona, the case of Corona that we've been in this for a year and many industries and sectors have been totally stopped, is it, what is it that I can continue doing in the meantime that will keep me afloat until things come back. And so if you don't really project for those pessimistic environments and what is the minimum structure that you need to, you know, pull back to, is that you will fail. And many people find out six, seven, eight months down the line 
They went in too big. They hired too many people. They hired a beautiful big office. And then they go like, oh, I, I can't pay my bills now. So I'm always believed start small, you know, grow from humble beginnings and then let the world and nature impress you and, and adapt us as this starts coming. Don't start big and then six months later you realize you spend all your money and, and you can't deal with it. So those are three things that I can put out now. Really, really great tips, Lorenzo. Thank you so much for sharing with that. I mean, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I've been, I, I've had so much entrepreneurial insight from many different people, but I love uh, how you're coming in and seeing seeing a different perspective of this one. And I really appreciate, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you really have to be biased towards action. And that, that's really it because they often say as an entrepreneur, you don't say ready, aim, fire. You say ready, fire, aim, fire, aim, fire, because you just have to keep on going and pivoting and innovating along the way and changing from a mango to a cell phone case, because that's how entrepreneurs work. And having said that, uh, Lorenzo, really, I've got, we've got some great news for uh, many Filipino startups or businesses that want to set up a business in Dubai. I'll, I'll let you do the honors of sharing the great news here on the show. Well, the good news is that uh, we are partnering with RJ Ledesma, with one of his entities, EnterPH, in, in creating a partnership between Creative City, uh, Creative Zone, and uh, EnterPH in EnterPH being a representative of Creative Zone in the Philippines and for the Asian market, by which your company will be advising and giving sort of advisory services on what are these uh, uh, possibilities and tools and the, the requirements for potentially setting up a company in Dubai, how to become a Dubai resident uh, residency. So we created a landing page. I don't know if the landing page, we're it's able right to share it yeah. there. You have it there with, with your partner, uh, Rocky Chan, uh, who, who we met in the past. And I think this is a great thing. You know, I think in this global village, and, and a two-way, we, we are open to see what companies from the Middle East want to enter into the Philippines and what companies from the Philippines and from Asia want to come into the Middle East. We're happy to do this through you, RJ, and to, to hear your advice on how you can help us uh, you know, address those markets over there. Lorenzo, thank you so much for your time. For those who are interested to find out more about how, how to do business in Dubai, out of the Philippines, even remotely, please do get in touch with us. So again, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. And if you did enjoy our show here this evening, and if you heard our podcast and you're learning a lot from it, please subscribe and invite more friends to listen to the RJ Ledesma podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Again, my name is RJ Ledesma. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will see you again next week. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.